I'm so thrilled to be launching this series. It's on the kingdom of God. Um, but I want to begin with a real-world testimony, just so that we're all clear that we're talking about the kind of kingdom that takes place here and now in our lives. I want to invite up Usha, uh, and she's prepared a short testimony for all of us. Can you join me in welcoming her? Good morning, all. I greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Um, just to say that I'm going to try and stick to reading my testimony to avoid digressing, because I can do that very easily. Yeah. Uh, also, just to say, when we started at 10 o'clock this morning, um, there was fewer seats that were filled, and I thought, oh, wow, there's a small crowd, but now there's lots of people here. So good to see you all here. Yep. Uh, I believe that the Lord has given me this opportunity to share my testimony as a way of encouragement to someone out there who needs it. And if that person's not here, then God is allowing you to hear this so that you could encourage somebody along the way, yeah? My story can be long if I point out every miracle along the way, so I'm going to keep it as short as I can by highlighting some of the salient moments that I have, sorry, that have brought me to where I am today. Um, I was born a Hindu, but had opportunity to be in the company of a, Christian of a Christian family and friends when I was six years old. They sang Sunday school songs with me and prayed with me whenever I visited. I acknowledge this moment to emphasize the importance of sowing a seed into a child and leaving the rest to God. I then grew up in a Hindu home with good, strong morals and values and did every prayer and ritual expected of me with diligence and pride. I always said, you can't be born a carrot and die a cabbage. You are born in a certain home for a certain reason. Then the Lord decided to show me I was wrong. I completed university, and as I went for the interview for my first job, I befriended a missionary who had also come in for an interview. At that point in my life, I found myself at a crossroad in my religious walk. I felt that no matter how many prayers or rituals I did, it fell on deaf ears and things simply got worse. I then accompanied her visiting many churches until I found the one that I wanted to belong to. I attended church and home group meetings regularly and my faith gradually grew. A year later, I was baptized. I prayed to travel overseas and whilst at a home group meeting, I received a call offering me a job in England, all expenses paid. Amazing how the Lord kept strengthening me and blessing me and reassuring me of his presence in my life. I subsequently returned to South Africa, got married, and had my two beautiful girls. Then, six years later, my whole world, as I knew it, came crashing down. I'm so sorry if I'm emotional, but these are not tears of pain. I've shared this with my home group as well. It just, I guess, the Holy Spirit makes me sensitive to this so that people can fully understand the magnitude of this experience, yeah? Um, I experienced the greatest heartache of my life. My partner of 16 years ended our marriage by committing adultery, becoming abusive, and losing all the worldly treasures we had accumulated together. Our business, fancy homes, luxury vehicles, savings, etc. Suddenly, here I was, a single mom, with a four-and-a-half-year-old and a, a brand-new baby, and no assets or finances to help make it easier. 
the humiliation of a failed marriage, as this still raises eyebrows in the society I come from. It's become more common, but I guess people will be people. I experienced what seemed like the weight of the world on my shoulders. At this juncture, I questioned God and could not comprehend how he could allow this to happen, especially since we had a family altar and went to church regularly. My mother then repeatedly reminded me that God sees my tears and would never fail me. For the next five years, which seemed like an eternity, I felt stuck and frustrated. I continued to pray and thank the Lord always, asking him to help me to learn what I needed to in order to overcome. Finally, I gave up and said, Lord, if being here and being stuck is what you want for me, then I accept this. I just pray that you strengthen me to accept this lot. And when I say that being stuck and frustrated, you know, I felt that I had forgiven my, my ex. I had um, lifted him up in prayer because the Bible says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it didn't seem like that at the time. It seemed like he really knew what he was doing. But <laughs> I, guess, I guess in hindsight, one can see now, he really didn't know what he was doing. Yeah? So I guess that's exactly what the Lord had been waiting to hear from me. Because then a, a prophet visited our church and said to me, the Lord wants you to know that your struggle is over. He's going to remove you from your current situation. Just trust him. I accepted this word, but couldn't imagine how that would be possible, as here I was, poor as a church mouse, nothing but the Lord and my two girls to my name. I decided then that I have no choice but to trust the Lord. The Lord subsequently placed this immigration to Australia in my heart. I was filled with fear and anxiety, but was quickly reminded by the Holy Spirit that I needed to place my trust fully in the Lord and follow him blindly. So that's exactly what I did. The Lord made available finances through friends and family. I received support from people I had never met. One of them who provided a letter that would support my, uh, stating that they would support my mom during her three months stay here so that I would have some help and support. I managed to sell our massage chair and a glass dining set just in time to pay for our Airbnb stay. All this time, the Lord kept reassuring me with his word, Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? A week after our arrival, I secured a private rental in Box Hill. We arrived with two suitcases each, but were quickly blessed by friends and hard trash. And so you can imagine my jubilation when I moved into the new rental with a house full of furniture and home accessories, including beds to sleep on. I couldn't stop thanking the Lord for fulfilling his promise to provide for me. I then Google searched full gospel church in Box Hill whilst walking to look for schools for my girls and found FGAM. I called and couldn't get through. I contacted a pastor at a church I tried linking with while still in South Africa. The pastor said they were in Croydon and that I could catch a train. I then felt compelled to try FGAM again. Got in touch with Megan, whose response was, so where are you? I will fetch you on Sunday. A woman truly after God's own heart. When I got to church that Sunday, Pastor YC seated me next to Mona and Crucio. The rest, as they would say, is history. I was subsequently blessed with a good school for my girls, a wonderful job, just two weeks before my reserve monies would have been completely gone. 
amazing home group family and friends. Later, after the journeys, two hours to and from Coburg and all of that, I received my car. The list, if I go on, is endless. I cannot thank the Lord enough for placing me here. The church has been my rock and family. A valuable lesson I've learned is that through the storms of life, always remember that the Lord is able to turn your test into a testimony and what you view as a mess into a message. He loves us and most certainly holds every tear in the palm of his hand. And when the time is right, he will surely replace those tears with joy and laughter if we faint not. So thank you. Oh, can, can I just pray for you? For, um, I'm actually really appreciative that Usha, um, I tapped her to, and persuaded her to give the testimony. It takes a lot of courage to come up and share. Um, I also want to say a big thank you to Krusha and Mona, who are here. Um, you know, our home group ministry, they actually, um, they are the provision for the vision that is um, this household of faith. And so let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for Usha and her two girls, Lord, and her mom that's here. I pray that as they followed after you, I pray that you uh, would be their provider, Lord God, that you would, more than just material things, that you would watch over them as a household, Lord, and that they would grow up in the joy of your kingdom. We commit her into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Um, here at FJ, we love real-life testimonies. Um, uh, it was just really uh, good to hear it. You know, today, uh, we are going to be learning about the kingdom of God from one of the most amazing teachers in world history. Clearly not me. Um, but whether you are Christian or you're not Christian, regardless of your faith, I think you'll find that Jesus and the things he teaches were so significant that 2,000 years later, we're all still remembering and talking about it. Jesus was such a powerful teacher that he was able to share um, rich, deep concepts in simple ways that were just so memorable that people can recall it. Or more significantly, I think, they want to recall it. That's even more important. Like, me, I'm a little bit like my mom. We have lots of slides and lots of points, and I actually sometimes even wonder if anybody can remember what the main verse was for my last message. I tell you what, Jesus was so much better than that. And so, today, don't worry, because it's going to be an unforgettable message, because I'm going to do it Jesus style. In fact, there's only going to be one slide. And so, I'm, and his story is so memorable that even if you forget everything that I say, I think the words of Jesus will ring loud and clear. Today, the message is on vision, kingdom vision, and provision. Okay, the message is really simple. It only has two parts. In the first part of the message, I'm going to talk about vision. And in the second part, I'm going to talk about provision. And we're just going to land on this one scripture. And it's in Matthew 13, 44. And it goes like this. This is the, 
there's a description of the kingdom of God, right? Um, kingdom of heaven. And Jesus manages to say what I'm going to take 40 minutes to say in one verse. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven. If you read this in Greek, it's amazing. It begins with homois estin, like is. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then, and then covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Boom. That's what I've got written here. Boom. That's, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole sermon. Um, okay. Great. So it's, it's, it's full on amazing. All right. What is the kingdom of God? We're going to go with vision. All right. So vision. What is the kingdom of God? In really simple terms, and I don't know if you could even explain the kingdom of God in simple terms, but here we go. In simple terms, it is where God is king, Right? So the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is where God rules. Or a good um, definition would be his active, his active rule in a people, place, and time. Because God's kingdom doesn't just exist in nowhere. It exists all over the place. And, it, and the Bible is full of people, places, and times. Because it is the kingdom that is real. But what does that mean? Because Pastor Roland gave that definition, I think, maybe three weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, Pastor Roland covered it. He said what the kingdom of God was like. We're all good. And our whole staff group's going, no, uh, I think we missed it. It needs more clarification. So we've got a whole series on it. Um, what does it mean and what does it look like? Close your eyes. Do you have a vision for what the kingdom of God looks like when we say kingdom of God it's so hard to imagine and explain and partly because it's so deep and it's so rich so I want you to imagine the kingdom of Australia or I just come back from you know medical mission in Philippines the kingdom of Philippines like I've been there now seven years every year I don't think I can say I'm Filipino I, honestly, I don't think I can say I'm part of the kingdom of Philippines. Because to be part of the kingdom of Philippines, I almost have to be born there. I need to have lived there or at least have changed my citizenship from something temporary, from like just visiting there once a year, to actually living there, being there, coming under their rules and their culture and taking that in. So when Jesus came on that scene, the people around him, they had studied and they kind of knew the paper definition of what the kingdom of God was. But their vision, when they closed their eyes and they looked out at the vision of what kingdom of God would be like lived out, it was so far from what it, the real thing was that Jesus then spent most of his, one of his favorite topics in the Gospels is the kingdom of God. Because can you imagine, he's come from that kingdom. And he's, it's like you're a Filipino and people are telling you what Philippines is like. 
and they've got it all wrong. It's nothing like that. Nothing. And so Jesus goes, the kingdom of God, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. A good indication, I just want to take you back into that era if I could, because I think so many things are similar from that era to this. A good illustration for me is the Sabbath. Okay, so Sabbath is like the holy day, the Sunday that you, or Saturday, the day that you, one day that you dedicate to the Lord. Now, Jesus gets into a discussion about the Sabbath, this argument about the Sabbath, with the Pharisees just before he kicks off all of the parables about the kingdom of God. Because I kind of think he realizes by chatting with these religious guys that they've got the vision completely wrong. And what has happened is the Sabbath was originally created for joy. It is, it was, don't spend all day, all week working, right? Take a day off and enjoy the Lord, right? Go spend that day. It's the Lord's day. It's your day to stop. Shabbat means kind of like just stop, right? And then what had happened over the hundreds of years since the, the commandment, thousands of years that the commandment came on, What happened was the religious guy said, oh, you know what? People are not having enough joy. There's not enough joy in the, so they are skipping the Sabbath. They are like playing on their mobile phones during the Sabbath. So we got to come up with rules. And they came up with like a hundred side rules that were attached to the Sabbath. And that's when Jesus comes and he's healing people. He's bringing life, you know, on the Sabbath. And they're like, oh my goodness, rule number 563 says you cannot heal people on the day of resting. And so Jesus gets into the discussion. But sometimes we can get into that um, groove. If we have the wrong picture of what the kingdom of God is like, you might come here on a Sunday at church and go, oh, I've got to be here because my... My mom is sitting over there. She's going to look and say, hey, how come you're late? How come your wife is not here? How come you're whatever, right? Or, or, you're, you, you, know, or you might think, I, I've, got, I've got duty. I'm rostered on, so I have to be at church. Somehow, your picture may not be what the kingdom of God is actually about. Because there is um, a possibility for us to take the joy and the life out of the kingdom of God, which is why I love this description of the kingdom of God. Let's look at this parable. The first thing we realize is that the kingdom is hidden, right? So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Oh, it's there. It's there to be found, but it's not immediately visible. It's like how the Old Testament speaks of Jesus, It's there. Or maybe it's like the Philippines, and and it's so deep and rich that you can only capture the treasure of it when you go and live there. I've now spent seven years. I love the people and the culture in the Philippines, right? My favorite country to visit, actually, is Philippines. Like, if, if you're talking about the culture that's there. Or it's like my wife, who is an amazing... She's not here. My daughter's sick. So I can say things about my wife. (laughs) You know, um, it's like my wife, who is an amazing treasure that I could only really experience once I married her and spent my whole life with her. I couldn't really comprehend how amazing a woman she would end up being or grow up 
being. And she's still a mystery. So you know, I think our brains, I think our brains are just wired with too limited capability, right? We can't comprehend really complicated big things. So it's kind of like a treasure and it's hidden in a field. And for, so for whatever reason, the kingdom is hidden and we must seek after it. The next parable after this talks about a guy who's searching for pearls, and he finds an amazingly rare pearl so, um, that is of great worth. And so the first thing you're going to catch about the kingdom is that you must seek after the kingdom. It's there to be discovered like a country, but you can't assess it, comprehend it without digging. But after you find it, there's this personal joy element to the kingdom. You see, this person, he discovers and he knows for himself. Nobody looking, nobody around. This person for himself knows that there is something of great value that he or she has found. Okay? Now, catch that. It is for joy, not compulsion. Nobody's forcing it. It is for joy. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has because he's now looking at all of the things he has and goes, oh my goodness, in a heartbeat, I would swap what I have, the kingdom that I'm currently in, for this kingdom. I would. I, I really would, if, even if nobody's looking. In fact, I figured out something about the kingdom of God myself, personally. And so, I think it's a bit undervalued. I'm going to go, I'm going to go into this. I, I think it's like me and my wife. I'm like, oh my goodness, I better get a hold of her before anybody else finds me. Because she's amazing. You know, um, this person has a vision of the kingdom and its value. And all the other kings and the masters are not as good in his opinion. Because he's got stuff. He's got things from this other kingdom. God is better, he's wiser, he's more loving than the gods of this world, is what this person has discovered. For joy, he changes citizenship, and he is born again into another kingdom. Do you see what's happening in this imagery? It's like, uh, almost like a migration that we, you know, we've had Usha come up. It's almost like a migration where you go, okay, you know what? This is a better place. I think this is going to be a better place. So I'm going to move. And we live in an era where we've seen that. We're seeing the largest refugees movement in our globe today. People going, I, I think there's a better place. And I'm giving, I'm willing to give up everything in my current place. All these, it's not worth anything. I'll take that, thank you. And they move. That is 
It's for, it's for the hope. It's for the joy. It's not, it's for the, they see the value in where they're going. That's the driver. So please don't seek the kingdom because somebody else sees the value in it. Don't do that. You've misunderstood what the kingdom of God is like. If you're here at church today and there is no real joy, if you, if you look at the kingdom of God, you go, oh my goodness, this is a complete waste of time. You're not like this guy. You're here for your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your father, your mother, your uncle, your neighbor, whatever else it is, right? Uh, you're on duty and oh, how amazing it is to be on OHP in front of everybody and then you get to look out and so I'll come to church. You know, <laughs> like, but it is not for the joy and the value that you see in the Sabbath, in the kingdom of God, in having God rule. You've missed the boat. I'll tell you now, that's more like the religion of Christianity that the Pharisees had than what Jesus was actually trying to talk about. That's why he spent so much time trying to explain it because I think. You have to, in your own personal journey, figure out what's valuable in your life. Figure it out. And honestly, the kingdom of God will be fine. Its value and its reality will stand on its own. It doesn't need an Asian mother at the back going, you gotta go to church. It will be fine. The kingdom of God, if people seek after it, they will meet the same God that I met, the same God of so many of you that have real experiences like Usha, have this real experience of a real God, and it will be able to stand on its own. This treasure will be valuable all in its own right, without free coffees and like, I don't know, whatever else it is. It's okay. All right, But you have to seek that value. You have to figure out what things are actually real treasures in your life. Because this guy does that. The person in the parable is getting a great deal. A good deal. And he knows it. So he's like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm like, quickly, let's go get it. Let's get into the suburb before everybody figures it out. I don't know, right? I think it is so important to see here that the kingdom seeker followed the rules of the land. So here's the next thing I, I picked up from this passage. And you've got you to see this from the, the Christians who grew up in this era. Okay, because they've discovered the kingdom. He's like, oh, I'm now going to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to live under Christ's rule. Well, then why didn't he just take the treasure and run off with it? Why is he going and selling all of his possessions to legally acquire a, a, a land? Obviously, nobody else knows that he's found this treasure, right? Think about why, in his joy, he goes off into this materialistic, secular world order system. And some people, especially like the millennials growing up today, they're so disenfranchised with the capitalistic, materialistic world of today. But this guy lives in it, but he's not of it. Okay? And so he goes, he doesn't steal it, he doesn't kill the owner, right? He sells with all he can muster, he acquires it. He invests in it. 
We've named the series Kingdom Calling because the church, when it started in the book of Acts, was called Ecclesia. Ek means out, like um, external, exclude, um, ectopic, right? Ek means out. That means that we're out, out, not within. And kaleo, which um, is uh, uh, ecclesia, it's ek kaleo, right? Kaleo means called, to be called. So the church, the first name the church was given, what we see in our Bible is translated as church, is actually ecclesia. Means called out ones. People who were called out of a culture of their day to be different. Called out ones. Um, here's one historian who writes about it. He says, it's a body of Christians called out of the Roman and Judean system to come together into a separate civil society. And if you look at the early church, they lived differently. They had a different vision, a different culture even within their church, and they had clearly different values because they had a different king. They had a different master in the kingdom. They, they looked after the poor. They treated people. They valued life. Right? You, you look at my Easter message was about, if you, to remind you, about some of the early things that the church did after the resurrection. But here's how they did it. See, they're called out ones, right? Called out ones. They didn't go, ooh, we're so super, we're amazing, we're called out, we don't have to pay taxes, we don't have to live in your secular whatever system, you're all going to hell, you're all terrible, whatever it is. They didn't do any of that. How they did it was, um, much like this kingdom seeker, they operated in submission to the land that they were in. So they, were, they saw themselves as temporary residents of a land but they knew they were citizens of another place, of another kingdom. Are you getting a vision for this kingdom? It's Christians living in this land, but seeking after God. It, sure, this person understands the world system and, 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 and everything, but his heart is somewhere else. His internal values is, is somewhere else. You can see that in this. He's not paying in his heart priority, he's using the world system, but he's driven for kingdom purposes. He's, he's going after the kingdom. He's in, but not of the world. It means you're not made up of the things of this world. This, this culture of the world, it's not you. Australian doesn't fully describe you. Chinese doesn't fully describe you. Because kingdom culture fully describes you. You're just happen to be living, working, living here, right? So, that's vision. You have to get a vision for the kingdom of God. Next, I want to talk about provision, provision. No vision, put it this way, no vision comes to pass unless you provide for the vision. You can't just look at the treasure in the field and do nothing. Provision means, a good way to think about it is provision, um, provision is provide for the vision. Pro or to, ahead of. 
Pro means kind of ahead of. So ahead of the vision. Before you can get to the vision, there needs to be some provision. Then in his joy, he seeks out. Now the closest example, and like, you're not going to like my example. Um, so I'll just, I'll just put it out there. But it's the closest example I have. It's not quite the epic scale of this, but I hope you'll, you'll see where, I, where I'm going with this, all right? This happened two weeks ago, all right? Vision. You get a vision for something. So my daughter caught a vision for fidget spinners. She caught this vision for fidget spinners, in case you don't know what they look like. That's what they look like, all right? She caught this vision for a fidget spinner because everyone in her class had a fidget spinner. In fact, they all took it out this week in class, and every kid, they stacked 30 fidget spinners and spun them all at the same time. Woo! Australian school system, way to go. Okay. Um, anyway, she got it, and it is for joy that she's pursuing the vision of acquiring the fidget spinner. Do you know what happened? Asian mom and dad, right? We're like, we'll get you one. Finish eight books. In one day, she finished five, and then the next, she finished three. So eight books down, and we're going in search to provide for the vision. The provision for the vision. And she has sold into it. Oh my goodness, she's sold into it. And we're like, this thing is five bucks. She's just down eight books. She's not even ten, and we're good. We're good. And so we're there. But the problem was, it's not now. Like now, everywhere you go, there's a fidget spinner. Some guy's selling it around the corner, whatever, right? Two weeks ago, no one was selling it. I'm on Gumtree. I'm on eBay. The guy's calling me and going, oh, yeah, I know I advertised it for $5, but it's now $15. Like, what are you talking about? Yes, and I only have one color. Do you want it now or no? I'm like, no. <laughs> You know, and so we're going around, we're going around, and I kid you not, if you do not have young kids and you do not understand what's going on, it's like we are, there's a price to pay, there's effort, there's time, there's resource, we are providing for this vision, and we get it, oh, This treasure is way, like, uh, like just the contrast, and I know it's an unfair fight, so I, I get it. It's a completely unfair fight, right? But you know what is happening now? However cool you think these fidget spinners are, the next big thing that's actually happening, the number one in our app store at the moment, the Apple app store, are fidget spinner apps. <laughs> because spinning this useless thing in real life is not as... Amazing as spinning it on your phone. And so now you can spin the thing on your phone. Fight no, I kid you not. And you earn points. And she keeps spinning it and you get more points. And you know what you get? You can unlock different fidget spinners that spin. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know if you catch that actually every vision, every vision 
however noble it is or however not noble it is, will require provision. Okay? And we chase a lot of things for joy. What Jesus is trying to say in this epic, and you will not forget his short parable, is he's trying to say the kingdom of God is like that. Please don't make it this thing that we have to beg you to go, please chase after the kingdom of God. Please, it'll be so worth it, I'm sure, maybe. You know, it is. He's trying to say if you see this value, you yourself, of your own volition, of your own choice, you will look at the stuff you have and go, oh my goodness, this is not the same value. That's what he's talking about. In your house, why am I talking about this? Because in your house, you may have a vision for a household of faith. You may have a vision for the kingdom of God. But if there's no provision for it, it's not going to happen. How many people do we chat with on a regular basis? And when we talk about vision... When we talk about like what we want to do and, and what we imagine our marriage to be like and our children to be like, when we talk about it, we're on the same page. And then when we turn around and look at the provision for it, the, the time, the effort, the resources that go into the chasing of this vision, this guy's pretty committed, by the way. It's not the same. We look, we're all saying the same things on the vision level, but the provision level it's missing. I don't know if you realize, only one person's going to get, like, only the one who provides for it gets it. Because provision is pro. It comes before the vision. In this, now, okay, let's just be really clear. I am not talking about working your way into salvation or paying your way into religion. That's not what we're talking about here. Right? If there was a price that was paid, Jesus paid for it. But you cannot be of two worlds. That means Jesus may have already given you the free visa and the free citizenship in heaven, but it is not a dual citizenship. So the amazing price, the hard-to-get place, you're in. But now you actually have to go and live there. Right? This parable, Jesus is saying you cannot be half-hearted about the kingdom of God. You can't be half-hearted. This is not a half-hearted approach to the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, can I end, I guess, by telling you um, the kingdom story of FGA. Kingdom story of FGA. Because I know there's a whole bunch of you and you're, you're fairly new here at FGA. FGA has been growing and changing. And, you know, uh, you may not know this, but last week was our largest Sunday, Right? Um, and, then, and then everybody hit their church quota and they've taken this week off, you know. But last week was our largest Sunday and we've got about maybe 80, 90 kids that you don't see um, in here. So I'm very conscious that maybe you haven't had a glimpse of the provision that has gone in to the creation of this vision that we are all now part of of home groups that help each other out, of multi-generations talking to each other, of a place where you can be comfortable and come as you are and hear about God and all of these types of things. Maybe you haven't caught that 
provision for the last 20 years. But there have been so many faithful members over the last 20 years that have sowed and provided for this vision. You know, I meet pastors who come up to me and they say, how, how do you get your different generations together? How did you do the transition from pastor? How did you get the young people to come to prayer meeting in the morning or whatever? Like, as if they want an instant fix. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you need to talk to Pastor Roland because this guy sowed 20 years into it and I'm just taking over from him. <laughs> 22. It's so much provision that you're counting every single year. You know, um, oh my goodness, that's what it is. Right? Next week, when we go back to uh, Kingswood, we're going to kick off our regular. Now, we do this every year right now. So our regular building presentation, right? But I want, you need to know this, that Lexton began as a building fund, okay? Without a building, it began many, many decades ago as a building fund when the church was smaller than the size of Sean Goh's home group now. <laughs> if you count his two home groups combined into Adam, right? Like, that was when the provision even then began. And then we somehow got a million dollars. We took that million and we bought Ellingworth. Then Ellingworth, if you can remember even back then, it went up in value. And we sold that. Ellingworth was like an office, maybe block the size of this hall over two stories, maybe a little bit more. And we traded that for this massive warehouse that we have now. And then we renovated the beginning part of that, the, the, the front part where we have our offices, our youth group meets there, our line. Oh my goodness, so many things go on in that front section. And we took a loan of $1.35 and we paid that off in three years. Now we're kicking off phase two to finally move into that back arena, all right? But so many people I chat to, they haven't seen the provision that has already gone in. And I want to put it to you, we, even with phase two, haven't seen fully yet what God can do with this church, with each of us here. Because we know church is not a building. I'll, I'll tell you now, church is not a building. Ecclesia means called out ones. The building is just the legs to the vision, right? We're all, we're all clear about that. A vision needs legs. A vision needs provision. Um, I think we as a church have a vision of what God can do with this place, especially as Box Hill grows, especially as new families start moving in, especially as this area turns more residential. But here's the thing. If building hangs you up, if you're like, oh my goodness, he's talking about building again, don't worry about it. Just pause. We'll talk about it next week. For today, pause. For me, it's just the legs on the vision of a particular part of which there are many legs, okay? Let's talk about you and your house, your household, or you and your life, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife. Let's talk about that. 
are you like this kingdom seeker? It's really no accident that you're here today. Because today is here to remind you of the great worth of the kingdom of God. It's there to be found. Honestly, it's there to be found. It's there to be found in Scripture. I hope, you know, uh, the ladies I heard just had a, like a, some of them had a, like a mentoring um, thing going on. There's different bits of um, the retirees meet up. I know the, they've got um, youth leaders training next weekend. There's like a whole range of things that we're doing here at FJ where you can meet up with somebody who can give you a glimpse of what the kingdom looks like. And you can just look at a real person like Usha in the eye, a real person in the eye and go, hey, why did you change citizenship? Who forced you? Who made you do this? And so many of us here who have spent our lives living in the kingdom of God, we will look you dead in the eye and say, it's for joy, man. These things, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's not where it's at. The kingdom of God. And so we're kicking off this series. I'm so excited about it because the kingdom of God is calling out to you. And so today I want to close. I want to give you um, a chance. As we begin the series, it's a five-week series. We're going to look at kingdom culture. We're going we're gonna to look at um, kingdom partnership. We're going to look at what kingdom life is like. Um, but it's not going to mean anything if you're not remotely interested in seeking first or seeking the kingdom of God. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. Even as this series begins, you might be just like this guy before taking a step for the kingdom. That's fine. I'm convinced the kingdom of God can hold its own. Take your time. You know, we, we at the retirees group, I say we. <laughs> we, the retirees group, <laughs> went to see the case for Christ last week. Ah, there's the story of a guy. And he's like, I'm going to find out for myself this Jesus. And I encourage you to do that search. It is well worth your time. Even if you have been come jaded about Christianity or you've become sort of it's just too much I want to encourage you to personally if you have lost that joy for the kingdom and honestly you're only really here not for the value that you see in it but for some other reason I want to challenge you today seek after the, do some investigation let's figure this thing out join us for the next five weeks and we'll talk about the kingdom but it's not a forced thing. And it is such a highly valuable thing. You actually need to be all in to really experience it. So if that's you, I just want to, I know this is not a great place for ministry. You can come out for prayer after this. But if, and I know this because there's so many here already. I grew up with so many of you. If kingdom calling is your thing, if you today you want to sign up and you say, hey, God, thank you for reminding me of the value of your kingdom in my home even. Can I encourage you to stand up and I want to pray for you. 
And if you've never stood up in a call like this, and this is your first time in something today, she's given you a glimpse of a kingdom that is much better than the one that you're currently living in, and you want to change kingdoms, stand up as well, with all of us, as we all stand up, right? And then afterwards, come down and have a chat with me, and we'll, we'll talk about the sinner's prayer, and we'll talk about what it is to give your life to Jesus, to have a new master, to change kings in a kingdom. Right? So if you, if you would, uh, if you want to, you can stand and we'll pray together. Um, or who want to just chase after the kingdom of God. Because I think this series is going to be so significant for us. We must remember the calling for which we are made. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every single person who's standing right now. Lord God, I pray that as you turn hearts, that as you give us a glimpse of your kingdom, I pray, Lord God, that we would be like this person. Help us to chase after the kingdom. Help us to adequately prioritize and resource and provide for it in our personal home lives. We want to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God. We pray for every person right now who's standing that you begin a transformation even in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Um, Please come along. We are at um, Kingswood and my good friend, Senior Pastor Jonathan Mock from ICC is coming to speak on Kingdom Culture. So do not miss it. Thank you.